Pickaxe. Hello my friend, my name's Sean and I want to end your suffering. No, not like that, with meditation in my new podcast, Mindfulness for Gamers. Each episode, I'll take you through how mindfulness can help you to feel less anxious and frustrated and put you on a path of happiness, all through the lovely, grimy lens of video games. So make time to level up your mental health and take the first step on your spiritual skill tree. Join me and subscribe to Mindfulness for Gamers right here, right now. It all started in Los Angeles, California, 2019. Our adventure began as five cast and crew members of Through the Realms of Myria, Hollywood's next big fantasy film were accidentally teleported to another world by a mysterious spell that was uttered during the filming of the climactic final scene. Our traveling band of clueless crusaders consists of Sebastian Vivaldi Greensleeves, an emo-at-heart musician struggling to find his way in LA, and sound guy on set, played by Ryan McManus. Blueberry Sky, the animal-loving actress trying to save the world through art, and now Elf, after her prosthetic ears and teal-blue hair were affixed to her person upon arriving in their new fantasy world, played by Anna Brisbane. Xander Gucci Supreme, the camera guy to the stars and obsessed alien researcher with an affinity for high fashion, played by Nigel Deacon. And Jet the Boulder Chambers, the big burly heartthrob whose love resides with his mom and puppy Princess Pebbles played by Vince Perino. Through newfound powers and magic, virtuous revolutions, necromantic demons, chaotic weddings, and so much more, the cast and crew stop by the small town of Duford, hearing word that their children are being kidnapped in the night. Some sleuthing around with their fine investigation skills, they discovered the town's caretaker had been a night hag in disguise, snatching the small children from their beds at night. Tracing her back to her homestead brought the party to the haunted ghost ship of the Grey Skies, which mysteriously showed up in the forest, miles and miles away from any source of water. One very trippy fight against the Night Hag later, they discovered the reasoning behind the abductions. The Night Hag, known as Faye, had accidentally killed her daughter Trinity, as the Night Hag's curse slowly drove Faye to madness. She had been kidnapping young girls in an attempt to resurrect her once-lost trinity. With the night hag slain, the cast and crew freed the children locked in their cages, bringing them back safely to their homes in Duford. With the crisis in Duford solved, the cast and crew made their way back to the city of Faramore to meet with Matthias, owner of Matthias's University of Modern Magic. Matthias informed the party to some changes that needed to be made to the university in order to hide from the watchful eyes of the magistrate, an order running wild across the continent of Vendrea that sought to ban the use of all high magic. They had already gained a foothold on the continent after the betrayal at the Valorith royal wedding and must be stopped before their wildfire spreads. In order to figure out what the magistrate is planning next, they must first learn their motives and where they came from. Matthias pointed the party to Windermere, a knowledge center which has long been destroyed, but may hold the answers the cast and crew are looking for. 
Sailing up the Spearhead Gulf towards Windermere, the party came across an old path after docking that leads up to the tower. It was a long trek up the mountain before they came to a steep cliff. What awaited at the top was pure destruction. Buildings, tents, carts, signs all burnt to a crisp or destroyed and rotting. Hundreds upon thousands of bones from humanoid bodies lie all around the flat mountaintop. All of a sudden, an old man appeared, shooing them away as he told the party there was nothing left here for scavengers, and began digging a hole. The old man refused to answer any of the party's questions, as he buried more and more bones. The cast and crew decided to silently help the man dig and bury the bones of those lost in the tragedy of Windermere. When the old man needed a break, he introduced himself as Patches and brought them all towards the destroyed Tower of Windermere for tea and to receive the information they sought. He brought the party to the downstairs of the rubble and summoned a visage of a corpse, one who experienced the burning of Windermere firsthand. Farsner was his name, and demanded they undergo the test of a warden to prove their worth. One test of morality later, the cast and crew were allowed to ask their questions, where they learned Windermere was destroyed not by a god of fire, but by a group known as the Arcanum. Their symbol was of an eye with sun rays coming out of it, a very similar symbol used by the magistrate in present times. Farsner told the cast and crew countless stories, from a wizard named Volazar creating Auchendoth Mountain, the Gulf of Hyannis, and the Badlands, to the evacuation of Berndarium. Given Berndarium was the closest important location, they decided that would be their next destination in their search for more information on the Magistrate, or the Arcanum. As the cast and crew were leaving Windermere, Patches led them away from the trail they had originally climbed up. Patches brought them to a large clearing in the mountains, with an abandoned airship, waiting in disarray. The cast and crew boarded the airship and soon found an enormous living tornado, an air elemental named Claude. Claude told the party about the airship's previous owners, who stole the airship and brought it to Windermere. Claude had been stuck here for the past 80 years after the destruction of Windermere. The Air Elemental explained that they were the one that powered the ship, no gas or fuel required, and Claude got the party up in the air and flying towards Berndarium. The airship traveled for roughly two hours before Claude found a spot to land deep in the mountains of Berndarium. A few mishaps later as they made their way down the treacherous mountains, they arrived at the gates of the enormous stone entryway that led straight into the heart of the mountain itself, towards Berndarium. Berndarium was abandoned. The magistrate conquered the city, driving its inhabitants out of the mountains, leaving everything behind. But what they didn't expect to find was living, sentient robots walking the streets, tending the crops, and guarding the homes. Staying hidden as long as they could, the cast and crew eventually slipped up and were spotted by a floating mechanical eye. It did not, however, seem hostile. Instead, it assisted them and led them through the abandoned streets, steering them clear of any other mechanical beings. The eye did not speak, 
but guided the party with its many flashing lights. Finally, the eye brought them safely to their destination, the Steel Reserve, the fortified main bank of the once great Berndarium. Inside the Steel Reserve, the cast and crew met Potix P. Coguar, a small gnomish man who made a safe house and workspace inside the bank itself. Potix described to the party what is happening in Berndarium. The machines have learned to evolve and could potentially overrun the entire continent of Fendrea in just a year's time. Potix had once created small mechanical bugs that now control the forged, the sentient robots that occupy the city. It was these very bugs that had given their self-replicating knowledge to the other forged, and now hold a symbiotic relationship with one another. Potix wants to be able to control the forged to stop them from potentially harming Fendrea, or being controlled by an evil source. Potix tossed the party a book left over by the magistrate, titled The Source, which looks like an old tattered journal. Potix holds more information about the magistrate, but in order to receive it, he needs the party's help in stopping the forged from taking over Fendrea. They need to be shut down, and Potix has a plan. Potix opened the safe inside the steel reserve to show the party his blueprints as well as introducing our latest guest, Thomas Sanders, playing a warforged barbarian known as Brad, a sentient forge powered by Silerium. The cast and crew chatted with Brad after identifying themselves as friends and not intruders. After a bit of riffing with their new robotic friend, Potix explained his blueprints for a giant forged known as the Titan that he hoped would use his communication core to control all of the forged in Berndarium. Potix, however, must create this enormous forged at the fire pit, where the forged were originally created. This meant a stealth mission through the abandoned steampunk city, but with the help of a summoned rabbit from Blueberry as their main diversion, they were able to make it inside the fire pit safe and sound. Potix started up the machine with a loud clang, he knew it would cause a ruckus, and the cast and crew, alongside Brad, were meant to defend him until he could put together his newest creation. Mechanical scorpions started burrowing from the ground under their feet, as an android herd outside headed towards the door and began ramming it. Sebastian plugged into Brad and sent out a thunderous belch, pushing the herd back after they broke through the large metal door to the fire pit, and with the help of Jet's neurotoxic net, they kept the group at bay. The battle ensued until a metal snap was heard, as the beasts suddenly ceased moving. Potix was amazed. His titan was alive and working. Potix, now controlling the entirety of the forged throughout Berndarium, became power-hungry as he sat atop his monstrous mech. He turned and commanded Brad to attack the cast and crew. Though luckily, Brad refused. They began tearing apart the mech piece by piece through a climactic fight. Blueberry finally turned the Titan into a large toad, where inside, Potix was burned alive by stomach acid. As the toad turned back into the Titan, the forged herd outside the fire pit wandered, confused. Jet snatched the communication core off of the Titan and gave it to Brad 
who instantly felt a connection to all of the forged in Berndarium. Brad's very own life source, Silerium, was powering the other forged. He was able to use the core to influence them, to stop their evolution, yet allowed them to reproduce and live in Berndarium undisturbed by the outside world. Brad, the new Papa of Berndarium, took a beautiful picture with the cast and crew before they went their separate ways. Emerging from the mountain, with Berndarium behind them, the cast and crew made their trek back to the airship as they discussed where their travels would lead them next. Stopping at the hot springs to relax, Sebastian saw he had a message on his sending stone. Adewolf, played by Gabe Hicks, attempted to communicate with them and told a haunting story. The king was dead. The keeper and his demonic hound had found their scent, and they were no longer on the plane that held Fendrea. The keeper's hound followed Adewolf's group to the Evergem, an enormous floating jewel which seemed to be a source of immense innate magic, where he sought out Pojin, a childhood friend of the queen who had saved her life. Deciding that the Evergem was the best course of action, in hopes of finding some remnants of Adewolf or this powerful Pojin he spoke of, they took to the skies and headed north. Landing on the outskirts of the Evergem as to not raise any alarms, the cast and crew walked along the upper ridge that led to the Evergem. Guards stopped them in their tracks along the ridge, instructing them down into the ravine to speak with Commander Redstream for further details. Civilians were no longer allowed access to the Evergem, as one of their order had been recently murdered. Pojin, who the group now know as a high-ranking mage, had been killed. Speaking with Commander Redstream in the middle of the ravine, he informed the group that they were indeed investigating the recent murder and asked why they were really there. Sebastian told him they were looking for a friend, Pojin himself. Gaining Redstream's trust, he told the party to hide all of their magic, as there was a large magistrate presence around the Evergem. Redstream took the cast and crew to a local tavern called the Foxhole to grab some drinks while they got the party's tents and living arrangements set up for the night. During their downtime at the Foxhole, Jet arm-wrestled some orcs and Xander met a half-elven woman named Chandra, who they soon found out to be from the Magistrate. After chatting her up, she dropped a note to Xander with her address that said, Knock three times, as she exited the foxhole for the night. Redstream arrived back at the tavern and took the cast and crew to their tents, and a plan was hatched. Seeking more information about the Evergem and the Magistrate itself, the party decided to sneakily follow Xander to his date with the Magistrate girl. With his invisible party in tow, Xander made his way to this mysterious woman's house. Knocking three times, Xander was led inside. The party sat idly by outside for safety. Enjoying some wine and answering some questions from Chandra, Xander found out she was a special rank in the Magistrate, that rank being known as Mage Slayer. She was stationed at the Evergem and was instructed to hunt and kill any mages hiding near the innate magic source. During their conversations, Chandra slowly moved Xander from the kitchen to a study, and finally 
tried to get him into her bedroom. Xander politely refused her advances, so Chandra asked if he would still stay to chat a while. Chandra started talking to Xander about her weaponry and told him she had a boomerang dagger that will come back when you throw it. She entered her bedroom to retrieve it as Xander noticed she purposely stepped over a specific area on the inside of her doorway. Sensing the danger, Xander stepped over it as well, but it was too late. A man erupted from invisibility and shoved Xander into the trap, hoisting him up in the air by a magical rope. But luckily, with his friends there for safety, Blueberry's Bobcat and the rest of the cast and crew burst through a nearby window and assisted in taking down Chandra and her brother Curtis. Pinata Xander did some slicing with his daggers, but was unable to get down from the rope snare. Blueberry stole Curtis's mace from his hands and disappeared back outside. Chandra was able to get free from Jet's grapple and took a serious stab at Xander. With a single slice, Chandra brought Xander unconscious. A nat 20 from Chandra was immediately followed by a timely nat 20 by Xander on his first death saving throw, bringing him back from the brink of death. Chandra, seeing the fight turn sour as her brother perished, began to make a run for it. Sebastian, pushing his magic to new lengths, teleported himself and Jet with a dimension door to the front of the building, blocking her escape path. Blueberry turned into a giant snake to block another exit, leaving Chandra to turn back the way she came. After grabbing an important book, she ran right past an upside-down Xander. With one final opportunity attack, Chandra fell to a fatal finger blast through the heart. After being released from the rope, Xander stood up to witness Chandra changing into a blue-skinned, bald woman with a tattoo on the back of her skull. Tensions lowered as the cast and crew realized they were no longer in danger. A desperate need to clean up the place and ensure no evidence was left behind, the party began soaking up the blood and moving the now-changed bodies. Sebastian handed Blueberry Chandra's book off the floor as he wiped away some blood with prestidigitation. Given the fallen humanoids no longer looked like the two individuals that lived in the house, the cast and crew were going to place them in Chandra's hidden cages and pretend they had nothing to do with the situation at hand. With the house cleaned up, book in hand, and bodies placed in Chandra's hidden cages, they ran out of the house, shouting for help. Commander Redstream came out of his tent calling for an unfamiliar man who took over the situation. Leaving Chandra's house without raising any suspicion, the cast and crew headed back to their tents for the night. Expressing their concerned opinions about Xander before bed led to a bonding moment between the party. However, the night ended with Xander noticing that two out of the three red gems in his bejeweled dagger were now filled to the brim with blood. A chilly night's sleep later, Jet awoke the exact opposite. Burning hot like a fever, he rushed outside to discover the hard skin found on his shoulder was spreading to much of his torso, cold to the touch and bright white. Worried for his well-being, the party sought to find answers at the nearest doctor when they had the time. Meeting up with Redstream at the nearby destined church, the group decided to join in on a ceremony honoring the fallen Pogen. They watched as a rather uncomfortable prayer spread through the church, 
where Blueberry noticed a few members of the Destined, the religious group around the Evergem, were rolling their eyes or seemed disinterested. Afterwards, Redstream brought the party face to face with one of the heads of the Destined, named Sulik. Sulik directed the cast and crew into a small office for some questioning regarding their situation. Sulik cast a silent spell as the door closed behind them, raised a finger, and accused the cast and crew of killing Pojin. Join us as the cast and crew embark on their newest arc at the snow-covered hills of the Evergem, as they plead their innocence, uncover the truth behind high-ranking magistrate leaders, and the haunting mysteries of the magistrate's past. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.